welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. And today I had a little bit of a breakdown. So uh, my topic today is emotional breakdown or spiritual checkpoint. And this notion of spiritual checkpoint is something that uh, I heard somebody say once in one of my sobriety meetings, and I thought it I, it makes me chuckle, really, because in the program, we always find a way to shift our thinking to something positive and something, an opportunity to learn, you know, um, and I just, I woke up poopy today. I did. I woke up uh, poopy and I thought I've, I had my doctor's appointment with my primary care physician today and I would have thought that that would have put me in a, like a, an encouraging mood, you know, that I was going to be seeing the doctor and sharing some of my symptoms that I've been dealing with. And I just woke up just feeling like a little hopeless, I think. So I do not get a hope star today. Um, and before my doctor's appointment, I talked with some folks from work to talk about uh, long-term planning as far as like insurance goes and logging hours and uh, what what long-term looks like. So I, I'm purposely being a little vague there, but uh, I, I just felt very discouraged today. Just every everything I did felt very discouraging. Um, so I went to the doctor's appointment and I shared with them, gosh, I've lost like 20 pounds is what the scale said. So, um, I've lost 20 pounds. That's sign number one for me that I'm not mentally happy when I've lost that kind of weight. So, um, even though I love just not having to, um, you know, squeeze my clothes on. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm, I make fun, but it's probably not funny. So I went to the doctor, found out I was 20 pounds underweight, and then not on 20 pounds underweight. I had lost 20 pounds. I'm still in a fine weight. I'm a little under like the average weight for my uh, my height and my age, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm healthy. I'm just a lot smaller than I was, uh, a few months ago. So, um, then I talked to her about what's going on as far as not making any progress with being able to look at digital devices, not making any progress with, um, being able to ride in the car or drive, uh, 
or anything else that I shared with her that walking is difficult, um, not the walking process, but visually watching things move while I'm walking and all that. And then I shared with her some of the more stuff that's making me a little more nervous about being uh, forgetful and like leaving the hose on outside and leaving the bathroom sink on and putting the butter in the cabinet and um, having been thinking about something. I don't know if I shared this on the podcast or not. I think I did, but uh, I was laying in bed the other day. I had just woken up and I was laying there for a while um, just thinking and I was thinking about something for like a good minute or so um, and I wasn't doing anything else. I was just thinking about whatever this thing was that I was thinking of and then like the flick of a switch all of a sudden it was gone. Whatever I was thinking about was just gone. It left my mind. And um, I couldn't remember what I was thinking about. And it like caused me like a, a panic attack feeling, a mini one. I mean, I've had massive panic attacks. This is just like a mini one. And like a hot flash and I was like, oh my God, what is happening in my head? And then the same thing happened three more times. It happened four times total while I was laying there in bed. I was laying there for a while. And, um, and it's just, it's scary because I'm like, am I getting worse? Like, what is happening? This stuff wasn't happening when I had my stroke two years ago. And this is why this MRI is so important that I need to get and yet I'm just sitting here waiting for freaking insurance to approve it. You know, it's just, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me that my life is in the hands of these insurance people who are just pushing paper, you know, they're pushing paper. So, um, that's aggravating to me and frustrating and, and I've just got all these emotions around that. And then when I was talking to the doctor about these things, you know, we're talking about what, what does long-term look like for me? Like originally when I had gone to see her uh, a little over a month ago, we had determined that we were gonna, six months, it was gonna be our first checkpoint. And I was going to go to vision therapy for six months and um, go see the neurologist and all of this. And we were going to check back in and see where am I at in six months. So that hasn't changed. I'm still going to do that. But the fact that I've made zero progress, uh, zero improvements um, in a little over two months, makes me feel discouraged that anything's gonna be different in six months. Um, so we were talking about all of the things that are involved as far as paperwork you have to fill out and short-term disability and long-term disability and 
insurance through work and Medicare and COBRA and all of these things that I'm learning about and I assure you I will be an expert on them in like two weeks. If you ask me in two weeks, I'll know everything there is to know about these things because that's just how I roll. Uh, but right now it's it seems a little overwhelming. But, you know, learning learning voiceover on my phone and on my computer seemed overwhelming too and I just do it now. Um, so I will tackle that like I tackle everything. But she said to me, I, I think we're talking long-term, long-term. I think this is going to be uh, something that we need to look into. She didn't say a time. She just implied, not implied, but said that we probably need to start looking into uh, Medicare and all that stuff. And so I was thinking, I mean, this is the real deal. This is what's happening in my life. I just can't believe it. I can't believe, you know, I remember filling out my insurance stuff every year and being like, all right, I need to have life insurance. I need to have short-term disability. I need to have long-term disability. I'm like, when on earth would I have something happen to me, unless it's a car accident or something, happen to me that I need long-term disability? And I realized, yes, car accidents happen to everybody. But what I never would have imagined in my wildest nightmares that I was going to have a stroke, you know? And I, so I think this is number one, an example to absolutely anybody at any age needs to make sure that their insurance is um, taking care of any possible situation that could happen. You just don't know. I had no idea that this was going to be happening to me. Um, I'm 49 now, and I had the stroke when I was 46. So uh, it's just, you know, prepare. Let this be a lesson that uh, you need to prepare for anything. So she was also talking about, the doctor was talking about um, how it's possible because of some of these issues with me doing weird things like not being able to remember what I was thinking or remember what I was saying or being forgetful and leaving water running and stuff that I might need to consider uh, going to Johns Hopkins or uh, GW and I may end up needing to switch my neurologist and get go to brain PT and all of these things so uh, it's that the thought of even asking my boyfriend to drive me back and forth to Johns Hopkins and stuff just seems, I just feel so bad. And I know that I shouldn't, but I do. And I know that without question, undoubtedly, he's going to just stand up and do it because that's who he is. Um, and, but there's this like, I want to take care of him. I want to make sure he's okay. I know that I'm the patient 
But I know that the people around me, him, um, who needs to take care of me, it's a lot of pressure on him. And I can't help but wish that I could do something to take care of him. I, I don't know if other people in recovery feel that way. I know that when I had first entered recovery um, in sobriety, I did have this feeling about like when I was going to my sobriety meetings all the time and getting new sober friends and all that stuff, I would think about him and think, I hope he's okay with all of this. I hope that he understands and and he did, you know, without question. And so I know it's the same sort of situation here. Um, and, you know, like I always say, I'm, I'm drawing parallels to when I was entering recovery uh, as an alcoholic. So, um, but it just helps to, I think, share that out loud, that that's how I'm feeling. So with the doctor introducing some of these bigger ideas about, um, you know, starting to think more about my future and what it's going to look like and what, what treatment looks like and me having to be in the car for over an hour, a couple times a week, that's going to be a lot for my head. And, um, right now, you know, I, I wasn't even going to the vision therapist at the office because they didn't want to trigger my symptoms. So what happens if I have to go to Johns Hopkins? So just so much, so much to think about. And, and, and beyond all of that, I'm still, you know, I'm still back at step one where I'm like, what about my work? What about my job? What about my career that I was doing so great at? Um, so I just, uh, I, I got home, uh, we got a fantastic meal, so that was my reward. We got a fantastic uh, lamb shank meal, uh, Tuesday special at Moby Dick's. It's amazing. So we had that and then I took a nap. And when I woke up from my nap, I just started crying. And I picked up the phone and I texted my brother, my sister, and my mom and told them what was going on. And then I called my dad. And my stepmother picked up the phone um, because he was driving. Good job, stepmother and dad. And, uh, and I just started crying. And I was like, I'm... I'm I'm sad, I'm overwhelmed, I'm scared, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 and everything she said was, was wonderful, you know, um, she said that, she said, you're so smart, and you're going to figure out this new path that you're on, and you should feel upset, and then if you didn't, we would be more concerned, so, um, it's natural for me to feel upset, and it was everything that I needed to hear. It really was. It was it was a short conversation, but it was everything I needed to hear and and I'm really happy that if you're listening, I'm really happy that you picked up the phone and and I really needed it right at that very minute and um and I'm happy 
that I got it from you. So I love you and thank you so much. Um, and so I have just been, I mean, that kind of picked me up off of my butt when I talked to her. And then my dad called me when he was not driving anymore, <laughs> called me and again said so many things that that I needed to hear. And, and he talked to me about how much I'm exploring new things and and how as long as I continue to stay motivated um, that that I will find what is in store for me and and he was talking about how we don't know when we're 20 years old what what lies ahead of us and sometimes we're in the middle of our lives and we still don't know what is in store for us. He is a great example where he um, he had one career and then when he retired he ended up building uh, his own company and did amazing and um, and it just took off and and so you just don't know what's ahead of you but what I do know is that my dad didn't just try to do that company once. He tried over and over again. And eventually it was a success. And he gave me um, a comparison. Oh, I didn't write down the name of the person. Sorry, Dad. But um, he was talking about an individual who um, I think... He said he had a stroke. I'm sorry if I'm ripping up the story, but <laughs> I'll get the I'll get the point across at least. But the person ended up being disabled, severely disabled, and um, and yet just kept being motivated and kept um, learning and growing and and ended up being um, just an inspirational person. Still, I think he worked for a news channel and uh, being, sorry, Dad, I'm totally ruining the story, uh, and ended up um, still being an inspiration, like, like beyond words, as a disabled person. And he said that, Rachel, you, you can have many failures, but you only have to succeed once. And, and that makes me think of how he, uh, my father, was um, just always trying to um, move forward with, with his company and how um, eventually it worked. And it was a success. It was an incredible success, not just a small success, an incredible success. So... I think um, Dad is definitely an example to me today, and um, and I'll find whatever path is ahead of me. I'll figure it out. I know that, um, but I think today I I needed to pick up the phone and have somebody tell me that, and so that's what I did, and. Um, 
And so, uh, let's see. So, Dad also talked to me about um, how this podcast, you know, how some of the stuff I'm talking about is stuff that I'm learning and I'm just sharing it. And, and a lot of it is just talking about my feelings. And, and he said that there's a lot of feelings that you talk about that other people may not even realize that they feel until you say it. And that's really the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I knew from day one when I entered into this stroke recovery for the second time, you know, going on short-term disability, I knew at that time, and this is why it was so hard, that this was going to be a long road. I knew that whatever was happening was not going to be fixed overnight. And I wanted to share my experience, strength, and hope about it because, uh, you know, maybe not today, maybe not next year, but sometime, as long as Spotify <laughs> stays online, somebody's going to hear this and be able to relate uh, as a stroke survivor. And if I can just help one person by sharing my feelings about what I'm going through and somebody can listen to it and say, I know exactly what she's feeling, then, then all of this was worth it for me, all of it. Um, because if I just hold it in and don't share it, the only person I can save is myself. And although that's very valuable, I would much prefer to spread, spread the wealth a little bit. So, um, my dad encouraged me to use my frustrations for the future and said that, uh, I'm very bright and there's not much I can't do. And, uh, he was talking about how I was a math major and, um, how that uses one side of your brain and the stuff that I'm doing here uses the other side of the brain. Um, and I thought, well, I was either, um, in the wrong major or I'm not doing the, you know, anyway, um, no, it, it, it's, it really, all of that was very encouraging, um, for me and, and I need to be open to whatever the future holds for me. And, and I can't be open to it if I don't show up. And so I'm here again. I think this is the second time I've done a podcast that episode that I was feeling like, Ugh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It's like somebody telling me to eat my lima beans. I don't want to do it. But I feel better already from doing it. I told my doctor that I was doing this and she said that that was great also. So I was jotting down some notes about my feelings and the emotional changes that I've been going through and what, what um, some of these feelings are like being very aware of my boyfriend's feelings and making sure that I need him to stay healthy and, and be happy and unstressed, you know, so I'm very aware of that, um, as I mentioned earlier, and feeling like I'm going through some grief 
as far, I mean, a lot of grief. I really love my job. Um, and so I'm definitely going through some grief there. I need to look up the stages of grief again and see where I'm at there because I feel like I've shifted to a new stage uh, today. <laughs> um, I also was listening to some articles online and, and how they said things about um, putting on a brave face and how uh, unhealthy it is to constantly put on a brave face and I thought of that today when I was talking to my dad because when my dad called me back, I didn't cry at all. I was actually like kind of laughing and feeling more lighthearted. And I, he mentioned something about um, me not crying. And I was thinking, well, um, I wonder if I'm putting on a brave face for my dad. Like, that's what was going through my head. But what I was honestly thinking was that I had already cried, cried what I needed to cry when my stepmother answered the phone. Like, um, that was all I needed, really, was just that little outbreak. Um, but I know that I do put on a brave face. I know that I do. Um, because I feel like it's not, I don't want to be a burden on anyone. I know that if I just break down to people, what are they going to say? I feel like I'm going to make people feel uncomfortable. Like there's nothing they can say to make things better. So I don't want to put them in that position to feel like they have to give me some words of wisdom or something like that. Um, so anyway, but there is this, there is a point where I need to acknowledge how I'm feeling to other, to other people. Um, I, and I don't think I'm doing that enough. Um, my doctor increased my anxiety medication because I did share some, uh, stories about feeling some panic attack episodes over the past couple weeks and so she just she went ahead and increased it a little bit especially because dealing with insurance and all that stuff is just gonna add to the stress which is really unfortunate but um what I was reading online is that people in recovery from a stroke can experience panic attacks this is natural for the first five years and um, I'm sure it's because of dealing with not only um, the life, you know, losing the life that you had before, but dealing with all the paperwork that you have to deal with and uh, money and insurance and, and your loved ones around you and how they are handling it. It's so much. It's I mean, it's a major life event. They call it that for a reason. They allow you to change insurance at major life events. That's how important it is that insurance actually understands it. Um, so they, the doctor said that she wants to treat the anxiety um, before it gets 
any worse uh, for to make sure that it doesn't increase my symptoms because stress will inhibit my recovery. So, uh, so increasing my, my medication slightly will allow me to focus on recovery and, um, and it's important that I try to like, uh, not have a lot of muscle tension and all of that stuff. So she encouraged me to continue doing yoga. I need to get more motivated to do yoga daily. Um, so I've made a mental note of that and I actually was going to end the episode that way. Talk about what I, what did I get from today? What did I get from this spiritual checkpoint? Um, that it started out as a, a little bit of an emotional breakdown but my day is ending as a spiritual checkpoint, and that's what I have to do in order to, you know, pick up my shovel, right? I'm picking up my shovel, and I'm going to start building my sandcastle again, because sometimes my sandcastle get wa gets washed away on a daily basis, depending on the day, and I've got to pick my shovel back up, so that's what I'm doing, and, uh, there was uh, something I heard today also about when we don't look like we had a stroke, it can mean that you look really good, but it can also mean that nobody can see what you're going through on a daily basis. And that's, uh, it's even more important, and not more important, but it's just as important to share how you're feeling with the people around you. So um, I wrote, a, jotted a note down just to close out the episode here. I jotted a few notes down on what I didn't do today, what I did to today, do today, and what I'm going to do tomorrow. And um, so what I did not do today, I did not exercise. I did not meditate. I did not do vision therapy. And I did not enjoy any of my hobbies today. So you can imagine uh, Rachel felt a little poopy today. But what I did do today, and this is significant, is I cried today. And I don't cry a lot. I am really constantly pushing myself to keep walking, keep walking. And it's a significant event for me to cry. Um, and, and I'm glad that I didn't cry alone. I really am. Um, so what am I going to do tomorrow? I'm going to do all those things I didn't do today. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do my vision therapy homework. And I'm going to... Um, keep <laughs> keep working towards getting ready to make my first cuts for my quilt because I still have not made my first cut. I'm nervous about making the first cut on the material. So anyway, um, that's what I'm going to do. Um, a sincere thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast. Um, I really can't tell you how much it helps when I see that little count that says 
how many people listen to the episode, it makes me feel like I'm not alone, you know? And I know that that's digital, and I don't know if that's weird or what it is, but I know that I'm not alone. The people who are listening are people who who care about me, care about learning um, from my experiences, and um, most often are people who are also calling, wanting to call me and text me and stuff on the side and offering to come bake with me and, and garden with me and stuff like that. So I just, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for everybody who's out there just uh, on my team. So thanks for listening and I'll talk to you tomorrow.